history where two best friends who are not equipped to tell you about history do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed my working. (laughs) It was just an experience of having you look at me in my eyeballs while saying that for some reason. I can't even see you because I don't have my glasses on. (laughs) So, surprise audience, we're back in the same room, back on our bullshit. So, (laughs) Uh, but today, both of us are in my closet, and y'all should should see this setup. (laughs) Oh my god, it, we are trying everything to make sure the audio quality sounds good and is not going to echo and... There's blankets hung up. There's sweaters on the wall. There's We've got our microphones wrapped in her sweaters and flannels and I'm like half buried in her clothes and not even mine, my husband's oh. clothes. Oh, these are Nick's Those clothes. Those are Nick's okay. shirts. They're extra soft. I wear them all the time. <laughs> so, um for the audience's sake, how are you, Morgan? <laughs> I know how you are. I'm good. I'm here with you. Yeah. yeah and our crackhead energy. Crackhead energy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have to tell you guys what Emily got me for Christmas. <laughs> we so proud of weren't. <laughs> we, she literally went to the ground when I opened the present. <laughs> So we weren't able to exchange gifts around Christmas because just things didn't line up. So I have a three-day weekend this weekend with my schedule. So I came down, we exchanged gifts, and she gave me three books. And the third book, the first two are great. I'm super excited about them. The third one, I opened it. I went, oh, no. And she immediately went to the ground. It's a book about the Protestant motherfucking Reformation. (laughs) And it's all major documents of the Protestant Reformation. (laughs) I literally cry laughed in McKay's when I found it and looked like a crazy person. I'm just imagining you pulling a book that says the Protestant Reformation and laughing in a store. I was going, oh my God, Morgan's going to love it. It was a day after Christmas. I looked like a crazy person. Because you are a crazy person. Oh, Oh, that's why you love me, though. Yes. I'm already crying. I know. We just started. (laughs) Well, as y'all can tell, um, we're very happy that Morgan's in town. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Happy to be here. And she got me a t-shirt for Christmas. And the back of it says, technically, technically, alcohol is a solution. And then it's got like the, 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 chemical, the formula. chemical formula for it. I love it. I love it so much. I cannot wait to wear it. It's like a nice dark, like blue. And yes. I just, I knew you would love it. It's, it's I'm, it's my vibe. <laughs> so... Uh, let's get into this skit. Let's do it. Okay. It's 1913, and two men are looking at a ship in the process of being built. 
Adrian, good sir, I do believe this will work perfectly for what I need. That's great, Ernest. The ship was supposed to be part of my fleet, but some things just don't work out the way you want them to sometimes. I'm glad I could help, old chap. I will need builders to help make some modifications, of course. I need kennels for the sled dogs, and there doesn't seem to be much storage, but we will make do. Ah, yes, of course. How could I forget the dogs? And how many men are you taking with you again? Oh, you know, around 30 or so, I say. It's easier than you think to find men that want to cross Antarctica. I'm going to go with the best of the best. That's wonderful, Ernest. And what do you plan on calling this expedition? The Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition. Hmm. And the ship? Ah, she will be named Endurance. With a name like that, what could go wrong? As it turned out, everything went wrong. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. <laughs> this is like White Star Line. It, it's giving <laughs> it's giving Bad Juju vibes. <laughs> we've got the White Star Line. We've got the Vasa. And now... <laughs> I was literally thinking the other day about what I could talk about today. And I thought, you know what I haven't talked about in a while? A sunk ship. <laughs> so I Googled. She's back on that boat, miss. <laughs> I hope y'all are ready for more boats. <laughs> I got my husband invested a little bit. Oh my gosh, we couldn't get him out of this. We were the... like, honey, we gotta record. Like, we, <laughs> I need you to leave. I love you. <laughs> so, do you know what we're talking about today, Morgan? I haven't told her on purpose. So. No. So, I know there have been many expeditions to Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I assume. If everything went wrong, this was not, like, the historic successful one that happened. Absolutely not. Okay. It is a historic one, but it is not successful. Okay. Um, and we'll get into why in today's episode. It is a fascinating, harrowing tale. Ah, so let's just dive in. All right. Okay, so today we're going to talk about Shackleton. Um, okay. Let me pull up the note. So it's Shackleton's voyage and the endurance. Um, the endurance is the ship. Okay. I feel like I've heard the name Shackleton. You should before. have, and we're gonna get into it towards the end of the. I almost said semester for some reason. <laughs> towards the end. Is there a pop quiz? <laughs> there is. No. <laughs> <laughs> we might have just gone to a dinner party, but I swear I'm not drunk. No, I'm neither fine. of us had any alcohol. For once. <laughs> For once. <laughs> what is wrong with us? Maybe we needed it. I guess. Oh, God. We're just here with our peppermint tea. <laughs> Did you spike it? <laughs> I should have. There's some vodka in there. It's beach. <laughs> anyway, so who is... This Shackleton man I am talking about right now. Um, his name, for some reason I didn't put it at the top of my notes. <laughs> I'm so excited. Is Ernest H. Shackleton. Ernest H. Shackleton. I believe his middle name is Harry. But he was born um, on February the 15th of 1874 
in Ireland. And he went to Dulwich College between 1887 and 1890. Now, can we please do math real quick? Because I looked at that and I was like, 1874, 1887. He was 13 in college. So one thing I, I learned when I went to go visit my sister is that colleges in the, in the UK are almost like finishing schools for boys. It's not like going to university. University is something different. Okie dokie. Thank you. You're welcome. Because I was like, bruh. I didn't know that either until she told me. Because my my sister's boyfriend is from the UK. Okay. So. You know, that makes more sense. It does make more sense. So, upon his graduation from this college, he entered into the Mercantile Marine Service in 1890. And then in 1901, he became the sub-lieutenant in the Royal Naval Reserve. Okay, wow. So he's getting up there. Really quickly. Boats are life for him. He, um, the, the expedition we're going to talk about today is the Trans-Imperial Antarctic Expedition. Sorry, the Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition. But he did not, that is not just his only expedition to Antarctica. Um, in 1901... He joined Captain Robert Falcon Scott. What a name. Robert Falcon Scott? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I'd go on an expedition with Robert Falcon Scott too. <laughs> Damn. So uh, he joined the, that's that was the British National Antarctic or the Discovery Expedition. And that expedition carried on between 1901 and 1904 was that like the first major like antarctic expedition i i don't know exactly i it probably um because this is and how all these episodes tie in together this is like when they started saying that santa lived on the you know the Mm. poles because they were exploring all over the place so but we're talking about the south pole of course um but he joined this expedition as third lieutenant and with Scott and Edward Wilson they took a sledge journey over the Ross ice shelf to the latitude of 82 degrees south was reached so that was the furthest south anyone had reached so far okay his health did suffer um, I believe this is the time that he got scurvy. Oh. It was either this one or the next expedition. He did get scurvy. Oh, boy. Um, and he was removed from duty and sent home on the supply ship um, morning in March of 1903. So he didn't make it the entire time on that expedition. So the next expedition was in 1907 to 1909. And this was on... The ship's name was the Nimrod. So it was the Nimrod okay. expedition. And he and three companions achieved the furthest south record, which was 88 degrees south. So he got a little, even a little further. Okay. He got only 112 miles shy of the geographic south pole. Wow. So in 1907. That's crazy. Um, I'm just thinking about like. All the technology we put into cold gear 
mm-hmm. here in 2023. And if y'all hear banging, it's my husband working on a Jeep. So, and if you me. hear snoring, it's her it's chonky my dog. dog. <laughs> Parker's having a good little nappy nap under our feet right now. So, sorry he snores because he's tub tubby. <laughs> um, so I'm just thinking about the technology we put into like cold suits now, and then they just had whatever the hell they had. Let's I mean, I'm sure jet. they had like leather of course, and yeah, um wool and but they didn't have like moisture wicking technology like polyester or anything like that no they were like let me just put on some clothes and go go it's fine (laughs) so during that nimrod expedition um this was (laughs) terrifying to think about they are in antarctica the ship literally gets to the edge of antarctica they leave the ship they go off the boat just waits for them yeah the sledding party returned to the base camp in late february of 1909 but they discovered that the nimrod had set sail two days earlier without them i guess they thought they died or something i don't know that i'm that was speculation i speculated that but why else would the boat leave knowing that they were out there So Shackleton and his party set fire to the camp to signal the ship to come back. And it did. Oh, my God. And it turned around and they picked him up and they went on back to England. I'm glad it saw the the smoke because, oh, my God, they just burned everything. So on his return trip to England, Shackleton was knighted and he was made the commander of the Royal Victorian Order. Ooh. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but it sounds fancy. I was about to say it sounds very fancy. I mean, fancy. the Royal Victorian Order, not any not any plain old Victorian Order. The Royal one. <laughs> and it's not even like military or like army, it's order. The order. <laughs> sounds so bougie. Ooh. So, he had his sights on a new dream now. He wanted to cross the entire the entirety of Antarctica. Now, somebody did that recently. Okay, someone did that in 99 days in 1958. The Commonwealth Trans-Antarctic Expedition led by Vivian Fuch. Fuch? Um, Fuch, maybe? Is it F-U-C-H? Yeah, Fuch. I think it's Fuch. Fuch? Okay. Um, Okay. I think someone... Did it alone. Oh, yeah. Colin O'Brady. He crossed the Atlantic alone unassisted. He walked it. The entire continent In 2020. Of In 2020. Yeah. That's some social distancing right there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's very impressive. Did it say, Does it say how long it took him? 54 days. Wow. 54 days and he walked it. That's insane. That's a hard pass for me. Oh, yeah. No. Mm-mm. Yep. So, Shackleton has a new dream. And that dream is to cross the Antarctic, like I said. And he wants to do it, like, yesterday. <laughs> like, he is re- He is itching. He's itching. So, he immediately begins to make preparations on doing this. And there is an ad put in on out in the paper in the times 
there is controversy as to if it was actually put out there. It is funny enough for me to say it and also say that there is a good possibility that this was never put out because let's see, it's disputed by the Smithsonian. And in 2013, they did put out like a hundred dollar reward for anyone who can actually provide an original copy of this. Cause you would think that somebody out there would save this, but they can't find any evidence of it. They've gone through all the newspapers and stuff, but it's funny. Okay. So apparently it said, quote, Men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. <laughs> well, at least there's no false advertising no, going on here. The honesty, the honesty. Um, apparently, it is said that 5,000 men responded to the what? ad. What? But... He 100% did write this letter in the Times. Sir, it has been an open secret for some time past that I have been desirous of leading another expedition to the South Polar regions. I am glad now to be able to state that, through the generosity of a friend, I can announce that an expedition will start next year with the object of crossing the South Polar continent from sea to sea. I have taken the liberty of calling the expedition the Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition because I feel that not only the people of these islands, but our kinsmen in all the lands under the Union Jack will be willing to assist towards the carrying out of the full program of exploration to which my comrades and myself are pledged. Yours faithfully, Ernest H. Shackleton. Wow. He He was like... The, the United Kingdom will stand behind me. Yeah. Not only is my friend um, funding this expedition, but I feel like the entirety of this country will be behind me on this. So, I mean, go him. Well, I mean, if 5,000 men applied, then there's, there's some merit in that. Uh, he did, actually. Um, a lot of people applied, and he didn't take everyone. So, like, he... Wow. Yeah. But you do have to remember that this is the time that everybody was, like, doing, like we said in the, the Santa episode, everyone was doing some crazy shit yeah, just to do the crazy shit because they can. No one was telling them no. Yeah. And, like, what else are they going to do? Watch TV? No. <laughs> Make a podcast? No. no. <laughs> From the safety of their closet? No. No. <laughs> so... What's really cool about this is that he had the foresight to bring not only a camera, but a video recorder as well. And we will watch, (gasps) towards the end, we are going to watch footage of this expedition. Okay. But I didn't want to spoil it by not telling you the story first, and then we recap it. So, so much footage. I mean, he had, like, a biologist, he had a meteorologist, he had two surgeons, he had, like, crew and all these, like, very specialized people. And he brought a carpenter with him. Wow. I mean, he was prepared. Sounds like it. So on to the ship details, which my husband so graciously explained to me. Um, It, the style of ship was a barkentine. 
Um, and that is a sailing ship with three masts rigged square on the foremast. Okay. And how Nick explained it is that when a mast is rigged square, it's basically like how you draw a cartoon pirate ship. Post That's straight what I up. Figured. Because I've seen... Right angles, and then you've got the mast. Because I've seen other ships. I do have pictures, if you want to. Oh, great. I have his route, but then if you go down... That first one, ignore the Aurora right now. Okay. But then the next two are the ship. Okay. Because when... I have seen ships where, like, they have a mast, but the um, rigging, I guess, is, like... At an angle. At an angle. Mm -hmm. So... I didn't. I did know what you mean by like square. I was like, oh, I can figure Look at it out. That brain. Okay, um, it's very skinny. Yeah. If you go one more, you get a side view. One more down. I see. I see yeah. the side okay. view. Okay. It is very skinny, and we'll get into the skinny too. So get it, the skinny on the skinny. The skinny on the skinny. <laughs> so the details. A little more details. It had three masts, like I said, and it had one funnel. And a funnel is the smokestack. Okay. Because it also is a steam boat as oh, well. Okay. Um, which would make sense because, I mean, if you're in Antarctica and you're, like, stuck in the ice and you, you got to have be a little to... gusto to get through that. Yeah. So, the link to beam ratio, which is what I needed, one of the things I needed Nick's help with, um, is 144 by 25 feet. So, the boat is 144 feet tall and 25 feet wide. So, it is... Very. A very tall and skinny ship like we can see in the picture. And I don't think that includes mast. That just looks like it includes just the boat hull to me. So the length beam ratio is measured for the slimness of the boat. So that means it is a high um, ratio and it would indicate speedy because... They said a low one has more extra space on board. Okay. So it'd be wide. So we're looking at Vasa territory here. I was about to say, this yeah. is reminding me, it's not as shallow as it's, the Vasa. It's a, no. It goes, I guess, like the heel or the keel, I guess. Yeah, I think it's the keel. It's very, it's very, it, it goes looks deep. like it, it does sit very low in the water, especially if you look at it while it's being built and then you look at it in the water, you're like, oh, well, most of the boat's underwater. Which, you know, you need for balance and yeah, stuff. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. For boating, buoyancy. Yeah. <laughs> they, they learn from the Vasa. <laughs> yeah. It weighed 300 tons, wow. which is 661,387 pounds. That's a lot. It is. It is a wooden hull. Um, Complement. I had to look up what that means. A complement is anyone not include anyone that is on the ship that does not include guests. So it is the crew. Okay. A complement is the crew, and it it had twenty eight. Okay. Um, and the engine was a steam engine of three hundred and fifty horsepower. It had one screw, meaning one propeller. Y'all did have to ask that. And it went 10.2 knots or around 11 miles an hour. Okay. Give or take. Um, and it was built in Norway in 1912. Okay. So a little bit more about the boat. The Endurance was originally supposed to be built for Adrian de Gerlach. But Adrian wasn't able to pay for his share of the completion of the ship in the summer of 1913. So it became available to buy and 
Shackleton mentioned, because apparently all explorers just kind of know each other, because why not? Yeah. Mentioned to Adrian that he was in search of a ship, and Adrian's like, I got one for you. I got you, bro. <laughs> I know what you need. So that's when he was informed about the Endurance. But at the time, it was called the Polaris. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So in January of 1914, he purchased the ship, then called the Polaris, for 225,000 kroner, or roughly $21,863. Okay. Did you convert that into today's money? I did not. $677,000. Okay. Which is awfully cheap for a whole boat. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that. I feel like that's honestly like what I was expecting ish. Yeah. Yeah. So, along with all the above specifications, uh, she had 10 cabins, a dark room for amateur photographers, and absolutely no cargo space. So, she was not built for cargo. Long voyages. For lo- she was just built to get do to basically what it's doing get to a place yes it's not built for hauling things she was a she was useless as a sealer and not bougie enough to be a yacht okay so you know shackleton's like perfect great great love this and she was thought to be one of the strongest ships for ice work ever built bruh <laughs> this is a year after the titanic sank Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no. Just... You're right. That was a steel ship. <laughs> this one's wooden. <laughs> they learned nothing. <laughs> We've got to stop calling ships unsinkable. Yeah. Honestly. It's not good luck. No. You're putting bad vibes into the boat already. The universe is like, nah, bitch. Nah. (laughs) So, on Shackleton's previous expedition, he wanted to name the ship Endurance. But he was unable to rename the other ship. So it remained the Nimrod. You Nimrod. It actually is Nimrod um, is the name of a hunter in Greek mythology. The only reason that it um, people think it means like moron or something is because in an episode of Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny calls Elmer Fudd Nimrod to be sarcastic and be like, oh, you great hunter. But sarcastically, but no one knew what Nimrod oh meant. So they just assume God. it meant like stupid person. So that's how Bugs Bunny changed the etymology of... Damn it, Bugs Bunny. Nimrod. <laughs> you had too good of, like, humor. You just went over everyone's head. Damn. He's, like, a very, like, historic, famous, good hunter. So. Okay. Well, well like, mytho- mythologically of course. hunter. Of course. Anyway. Thanks for that. You're welcome. I had no idea. A history lesson within a history oh lesson. Oh, my God. It's like Inception. <laughs> Historyception. So, <laughs> so he was determined to change the name of this boat. I mean, he bought it. He's going to change it. So we changed it to Endurance. And he picked the name because of his family motto was Fortitune Vincimus, which means by endurance we conquer. Okay. Why do we not have family mottos anymore? 
that's badass. I feel like we should have we should start some family mottos. I was here. honestly trying to think of what y'all's would be. Hold my beer. Yeah, maybe. That, I think that's a good one for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to think of what mine would be. Oh God. Are you talking about just you and Kyle? Like your nuclear family? Is that what we're talking about here? I'm thinking about like my family family. Oh, yeah. The whole family. Uh, okay. I, I need a few minutes to mull it over. Yeah. Okay. It'll it'll probably come to you at 3 a.m. Yeah. Come wake I'll, me up. I'll wake up in a cold sweat and like knock on your door like, I figured out my family motto. Open the door. a cold sweat with that pellet stove blasting in the basement downstairs. I'm going to be impressed. I'm going to be a rotisserie chicken in the you morning. Are, you should rotate <laughs> while you're down there. <laughs> What smells like bacon, is it? <laughs> just what? some long pork in the basement. <laughs> it gets so dry down there, like the air gets so dry. It might end up looking like, like again, the, the grandma's bunch still works where's my i've always hated chocolate <laughs> chocolate chocolate oh my god um so on a side note and i only know this because we're into boats and like it's just a thing but i feel like it's very common to know i, I have always heard that renaming ships is bad luck mm-hmm. i've heard that too um Unless you do it in, like, an official ceremony. I have no idea if he did, like, the official ceremony to rename the ship. Um, I just know that he renamed it. But um, there is a source that I found that actually had some logical explanations as to why it would be considered bad luck. Like, a boat has its name and reputation. If you change the name, other, like, boats might not know who you are and then like sink you because the other boats will bully you (laughs) and make your boat cry because they're like ew why'd you change your name and like an ostrich he wants to dig his head in the sand and then (laughs) the other boats will be mean yeah But I thought it'd be real fun to get into just, like, a few other bad luck things on boats. Sure. Uh, Whistling on a boat is bad luck. Okay. Don't... Well, I can't whistle anyway, so... You're good. I'm safe. Bringing bananas on a boat is bad luck. Why? Never sail on a Thursday or Friday. Never. Morgan. If you see a redhead before boarding a ship, it's bad luck. (laughs) Those poor redheads... Leave them alone, <laughs> everyone. Uh, not naming a boat is also bad luck. It has to have a name. You just can't rename it. You can't rename it. It's like renaming a puppy. Don't do that. Um, but also, dolphins swimming alongside your ship are good luck. Mm-hmm. So. And the Endurance was just part of the fleet of the expedition. The Aurora, the other boat that I was talking about, okay. would come from the other side, so where they were supposed to end up, and they would use sled dogs and stuff to drop off supplies on their way. It's a great plan, and this was known as the Ross Sea Party of this expedition. Okay, so to make sure I have this this right, so the Aurora was coming with the Endurance. 
they're coming from opposite sides of the world. From the opposite sides. So go to the notes. This will make more sense. If you go to the notes, if you zoom in and go down to Antarctica, you can see where they left Australia. So the Aurora was supposed to leave Australia, go to the Ross Ice Shelf, and then pick them up when they're done. Right. And then come back. Okay. Yeah, I got that. And up here, if you go up on the picture, Mm -hmm. you can see they left. So they sailed from, um, well, I'll get into where they sailed from and stuff, but you can see they came from the opposite side in the Weddell Sea. And they were going to start on one end. So they came from South Georgia Island. Mm Mm-hmm. They were going to go from South Georgia Island, sail into um, where they were wanting to land at. And then you can see the dotted line was the plans. Okay. Planned route. Okay. And I, then hit the South Pole and go. I got that part. I think the part I was confused about was when you say they're going to drop off supplies via sled dog. Did you mean like people like teams from the aurora was going to venture out to drop off supplies or Mm -hmm. so the team from the aurora was going to go part of the way into antarctica because they would have enough with them to get them like two-thirds of the way through and then the um ross party was gonna drop off supplies along their route and then they were all gonna get on the ross and then or the Aurora and oh, okay. and go. Okay. Does that make more sense? Yeah, I, I guess I was just like, Wait. It took me a long time to piece it all together because no one actually says, everyone, all the sources said what happened. Mm-hmm. None of them actually clearly spelled out what was supposed to happen. Okay. I was like, could, could we please tell me what, it, what happened? I had to piece it together. Okay. So they're okay. going from one side to the other. This right. party was dropping off supplies, not along the whole route but part of the way to help them get through the, the last. Okay, I just wanted to make sure, because, like, when you initially said it, it sounded like there were, like, one ship was coming on one side, and they would drop off supplies. Like, well, wouldn't they be making the first transatlantic? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that I was understanding. Yes, the yeah. ideal is that their party, coming from the Weddell Seaside, would be the one that made it the entire way through. Okay. Not okay. just part of the way up. I gotcha. Because that had been done before. Mm-hmm. So we've got the Ross Sea Party set up. He's got his boat. He's got his crew. He got all the stuff put together. Let's let's get this expedition underway. Let's do it. So in the beginnings, August the 8th of 1914, the Endurance sailed for Antarctica from Plymouth in England. Not, not I, the I United figured. States. Yeah. Um, Shackleton was actually not on board. He still had matters to attend to at home, so the boat left. He caught up with them. He left from Liverpool um, on September the 26th of 1914, um, and he he was on a mail boat to join the Endurance in Buenos Aires. Okay. So he met up with them in Buenos Aires, and when Shackleton caught up with the ship, he relieved Worsley of direct command and he had to get rid of a bunch of seamen for disloyalty, insubordination, and drunkenness what? already. 
Wow. Okay. So I think in Buenos Aires, he actually recruited a few more people to replace those people. Okay. So, and then Frank Wilde showed up with all the sled dogs. So all of a sudden it was much noisier and a lot dirtier because there were like 60 sled dogs. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, think about it. They have like 30 men. These men are having to cross. I don't think... Obviously, not all of them were going to cross because you had to get the boat back. Some had to sail the boat. Yeah, yeah, somebody had to sail the boat back. So, but Frank Wilde turned into Shackleton's now second in command. And, um, yeah, we'll get into the full list of the crew later. Okay. Um, so, on October the 26th, the whole crew departs from Buenos Aires. And then on October 29th, Three days after leaving Buenos Aires, a 19-year-old Welsh sailor, Percy Blackborough, was found as a stowaway in a locker. <laughs> he had tried to join the expedition with another sailor, uh, and that was Canadian William Blackwell. Are they like cousins or brothers or something? I think they were just friends. Oh. What was the first one's name? Percy Blackborough. Oh, and, and William, sorry, Blakewell. 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 Okay. But he was turned down because he was only 19 yeah. at the time. And he was like, yeah, you're too young for this. Mm-hmm. Um, Possible death. <laughs> yes. So Blakewell and another crew member helped sneak Blackborough on board. And they were three days into this expedition before he was found. So they can't turn around. Yeah. And some of the crew members were concerned that they were understaffed anyway. And Shackleton was aware of this. So he just like severely reprimanded the kid and was like, why the fuck would you know? Basically I'm just imagining like, are you crazy? Like, why would you do this? Shackleton then reminded him that it was customary in hard circumstances to just eat all the stowaways. <laughs> I'm just imagining like the lies some parents tell their kids. I mean, I wouldn't go this extreme, but yeah. like the monsters are going to eat you. Yeah. If, like you don't do this. Like, yeah, he's taking the piss yeah. for sure. Yeah. So he then took him away fed him a good meal, and then put him to work, and he turned out to be a damn good sailor. Well, that's good. Yeah. So... He just dreamed for the sea. It calls me. (laughs) This is some Shackleton shit right here. Moana doesn't have anything on freaking Shackleton going to Antarctica. This man, why? It's like his fourth time going to Antarctica already. Mm -hmm. And y'all see. I've been, like, pumped for this for days. So, on November the 5th of 1914, they arrived at South Georgia Island. And this island is also known as the Alps in Mid-Ocean. They are mountainous. Mm. Um, But there's whaling residents there. Okay. Um, And they were welcomed by the 2,000 residents of a whaling station uh, that resided there during the summer months. And Shackleton and his crew had only planned to stay there for you know, a few days. Yeah. But the residents warned that it was a bad year for ice. And those few days turned into a few weeks. Oh, no. So already, already red flags. The yeah. dogs were having the time of their lives. Because sure. at the time, they didn't actually eat the whale 
meat. Mm-hmm. They just ate like the blubber and stuff. So the dogs were getting all like the whale meat scraps and they were just like fat and happy yeah. in the snow. Um, so that was November the 5th of 1914. They didn't get back on the water again until December the 5th. Wow. They were there for four weeks. Wow. And they were supposed to be there for a few days because of the ice. Well, that's crazy, too, because, like, during this time, it would be summer Mm -hmm. in the Southern Hemisphere. Yep. I actually have a note about that. Oh. In a few. Yeah. You you read my mind. Always. (laughs) So, on December the 8th, so a few days later, they encountered their first bit of pack ice. And what, if y'all don't know what pack ice is, because I didn't know exactly what pack ice is. Pack ice is big chunks of just floating ice. It's basically like islands of ice. Mm -hmm. And they get just slammed together thanks to the currents of the water. And they form into this big mass and they get bigger, but then sometimes they break apart and they, sometimes they jump on top of each other and like it's kind of scary shit honestly water is dangerous in itself icy water is very dangerous so Mm -hmm. they've already in december encountered their first bit of like a bunch of pack ice big red flag we've already got a couple red flags here yeah like it's you're a month behind already yeah red flag so at this point, they were a thousand miles away from their intended landing destination. Oh my God. The, the Vessel Bay, the Vossel Bay. And they were 600 miles away from the closest landmass. Not that they would know because that landmass wasn't even discovered until 15 years after this happened. Wow. So they were just. Had no idea. They, they were out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I'm looking at the map and they are. Like, yeah. I see where it says December 7th, enter pack ice. Yeah. Like, oh, man. that They're very far away. So far away. And I would like it to be known that Christmas of 1914, that is the same Christmas that the truce happened. So... There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on around the world. It was said that he did actually offered to stop the expedition, not even go... And let the um, military have the boat because of the impending war that was coming. Oh, wow. Um, but the, yeah, they were like, nah, I think we're going to be it's fine. fine. We're fine. It's going to last a couple months, right? <sighs> yeah. If you listen to that episode, they're like, we're just going to nip this in the bud real quick. Nope. They didn't. No. They didn't. So all of this is happening around the world at the same time that these people are just yeah. going. Yes. They They probably... When did they leave again? In October. October of 1914. So they have, yeah, like the war has started already. World War One has barely, barely started. Barely started. But still, like. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So uh, January the 10th of 1915, though slow, they were making progress. And they spotted the fronts of Coatsland. So you can see they're, they're getting real close. Okay. Um, by the tent. And so they began to make preparations for landing at Vossel Bay. And 
The next few days were good sailing, good conditions. They made it 120 miles in the next five days. Okay. So they were they were going. Chugging along. Mm-hmm. During this time, they saw a large pack of ray beater seals heading north while they were heading south. Red flag. <laughs> if the animals are retreating, Leave. so should you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So now my next heading is stuck. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> on January the 18th of 1915, they were only 80 miles away oh, my from God. their landing point. Oh, man. And the pack ice closed in again. They were able to break free the first time, but they closed in again. And they were there a week later, and the ice was solid. Oh, my God. And... It is important to note, this is where I have the note, It this is peak summer. Yeah. Peak summer right now. And this ice is already just closing in on them. Oh, my God. So, on February 21st of 1916, they were still stuck in the pack ice after a, over a month. I do have a question. Yes. So, I assume, like, they couldn't just leave on the pack ice, like, to try to get to... The other no, ship. because this the pack ice is floating independently of the land, so oh, they okay. were stuck basically on a, f- a moving island. Gotcha. So okay. they couldn't just like abandon the ship and then try to go. It is too far away to okay. like try to get to the land, and you can see on the map where. Where it says they go through the heavy pack ice. So the mm-hmm. Endurance got stuck on January the 18th. They were so close They're to so land. Close. So close. But they weren't connected. So yeah. they couldn't get onto gotcha. I see. the land. Yeah. I see. Um, I see. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they had sailed over 12,000 miles. A thousand miles of it being through thick ice only to be sopped. 60 miles from their destination. Honestly, that's stuck, stuck. Devastating. Devastating. But they hadn't lost hope yet. Okay. So they spent um, the next month stuck on the ice. Month. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, my God. A month. Oh, my God. After a month, he spent, he made the call to ready themselves for winter. They're like, we'll just hope for the best and try to get out of it in the spring. So at this point in time, at one point during this time, they saw open water. If they were like, if we can just break through this, we can get into the open water, go around the pack. It will be fine. Yeah. They spent two days sawing and chipping and trying to get out of this pack ice because it had like squished them in it. Yeah. Um, they didn't make it. Oh my god! No. Two days working nonstop trying to get this boat unstuck out of this ice, and they didn't make it to the open water before it closed back up no. with another piece of pack ice. Oh my god! But the men were still in good spirits. They knew this was a possibility, so they spent their days just kind of doing what they need to do, playing with the dogs. I mean, there were sixty dogs, well-trained dogs. And there was even a cat on board. And his name uh, was Miss Chippy. And I did say his name was Miss Miss Chippy. Chippy. (laughs) Yep. All right. And if you go to the skit, you can scroll down and see 
if you keep scrolling, he's towards the bottom. There is a picture of Miss Chippy. Oh, yeah. look at that kitty cat. Kitty cat. So, Shackles, Shackleton was still talking about crossing Antarctica. And in the next season, so he was still talking about crossing in the next season. So, they spent the winter, well, they, he had planned on spending the winter um, training with the dogs. And, you know, playing with them, of course. But none of the crew actually had ever been on a sled before behind dogs so he was like well i guess we're gonna practice so they did all that and occupied their time and they were still able to use the ship and stuff yeah and honestly it was it's the weirdest thing to look at and i did put some you can look at some of the pictures that i put on there they're just like running around they're like playing soccer playing oh i see and it's flat yeah. It's just, it looks like you're on land. It does. But don't be fooled. This ice could just break at any moment. Yeah. Oh, my God. And July 14th of 1915. We just went from February to July. How did they have that much? They were, like, hunting, like, seals, seals and, and penguins. penguins and stuff. Wow. Um. Oh, my God. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. Seven months. It's worse. <sighs> July fourteenth, nineteen fifteen. That's really funny. It's my sister's birthday. Oh, not nineteen fourteen, but <laughs> I was about to say your sister's. <laughs> or nineteen? Vampire. Would it be nineteen fifteen? Yeah, no. it's nineteen fifteen now. Sorry. Oh my God. There, there was a noise from beneath the endurance. Shackleton tried to pass it off as a whale, but Harry McNeish. The carpenter, also Miss Chippy's owner, knew it, it wasn't. It was movement under the ice. Oh, my God. Take a look at the hull of this boat again. Other ice ships had rounded bottoms mm-hmm. so that when the ice squishes, it just pops up, yeah. sits on the ice, and then when the ice separates again or when they get it chipped out, it just sits back down. Also, I just saw, like, in the front part, view of the ship there's a guy down there i just saw him what if you go like <gasps> look at the bottom there's a guy oh my god the thing is tall as hell good lord above all right so okay so so when the ice comes together the flat bottom the the more round bottom sit ones, on top. they sit on top of the ice and they don't get crushed mm-hmm. um whereas the the endurance was so tall and skinny and had a veed hull it was getting squished like too many rubber bands around a watermelon. Kind of squished. But very slowly. And they were still hoping for the best because it's a big ship. It's strong. I mean, you could take a little pressure and then if it moves. Yeah, it's you know, wood. You it's, know. It, it's forgivable for the most part. Shackleton had been warned when he bought the Endurance that it could this could happen. Because it wasn't built for ice, right? I don't think so. I don't know exactly what I feel that like, Adrian guy was going to use it for. I feel like if you were making a ship to go through ice, you would at least like put steel on the front of it to like cut through ice, right? Or like reinforce it. Maybe, but wouldn't that get too cold and then freeze? I don't know. I don't know how to build an ice boat. We've established we should not be building <laughs> no, boats. Especially winging them. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> 
But, I mean, I just feel like there's other preparations that could have been made. At least, like, hey, maybe this... He was warned. I guess they did all they could. Yeah. What are you going to do? Say, no, I'm not going to sell you this boat. Because it will be ruined. Yeah, there's no way you could even predict that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And, again, this ice is unpredictable. At any any minute, the ice could just crush it. Mm -hmm. Or the ice could break apart and it would float again. There's no way. And who no knows? Way. Yeah. And only luck had kept the ship going this long in July. It was during this time that she was starting to develop a list or leaning to the port side. Okay. Port is um, left. left. Yeah, I was about to say, if you're looking to the front of the boat, I was trying to direct the listeners. So okay. if you're looking to the front of the boat, it's to the left. So it was leaning to the left, the port side. Um Along with the beams were buckling and the rudder got damaged Mm. and the ice had been calm and flat for all this time. And now it was starting to buckle and look kind of like chaos. Okay. Some ice blocks could be pushed 15 to 20 feet high on top of each other before crashing down. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So it was thought that the endurance had a very narrow escape on one time because one pressure wave stopped like it pushed a piece of ice and it stopped 15 feet short of the ship from just crashing into the side of it wow yeah so she would have been crushed at that point and the general assumption however (laughs) was that the boat will float it's fine once we get it unstuck. So through August, the men waited. Oh, my God. September the 1st of 1915. Remember, they got stuck in January. January. Nine months. We ain't done yet. Oh, my. More pressure waves came, and she started to buckle a little more. They still didn't give up hope, um, but it was apparent she wasn't going to sit on top of the ice like they had were, I don't know what they were hoping. If she sat on top of the ice, she'd flip over. What the fuck is the Aurora doing this entire time? Oh, we'll get into that. Okay, okay. We'll get into that. Okay. I figured that would be easier to just at one boat at a time. Sure. Makes sense. Because, yes. Um, it was getting squeezed. She'd get squeezed. Mm. And that was September 1st. October 15th, about a year after she set sail, close to a year. Yeah. Um, the endurance was released and was floating again in a narrow lead surrounded by ice. So it, it had a little hole okay. to float. Okay. October 17th, pressure waves came back. The ice closed in again and started squeezing the hull again. Oh, my God. She listed 30 degrees. Shit. But slowly righted herself. That was on October 17th. October 20th. The boiler was filled and the steam raised. They were hoping for the best. They were starting the engines up, hoping, hoping for just the like, best. Just like, let's just kind of plow our yep. way through. October 23rd, Mc, McNeish, the carpenter, built a coffer dam in the engine room because water was starting to leak Uh-oh. into the engine room. And despite the dam... The steam pumps had to be kept working constantly to pump the flood water out of the ship 
and back up from hand pumps. So they, they not only did they use the, the steamship, but they used hand pumps. Oh my God. The ship was weakened. Um, if the ice got a hold of her again, they knew it would be over. October 25th of 1915, it was clear that the ship was losing its battle with the ice. It was being squeezed on both the starboard and port sides and even from the stern as well. And the stern is the front. They stopped the pumping. The stern is the back. They knew. The bow is the front. The stern is the back. God, did I say the front? Yeah. Damn it. No, it's the, the stern is the You back. don't know boats. Fuck, I do know boats. <laughs> I always remember the bow. I think of like a bow and yeah. that's how it's. And then I think the stern stops like the, the back is flat. So yeah. stern, a, that's how I remember. I can't believe I got those. I literally went through it in my head reading my notes earlier. And, like, <laughs> I still fucked it up. Why am I like this? <sighs> so, uh, so they stopped pumping. They knew even if the ice let her go, she wasn't going to float. Yeah. So, on October 27th of 1915, the pressure increased. The cook, Mr. Green, made his last meal in the galley. They ate their last meal in the ship um and at 5 p.m they were ordered onto the ice and it was officially too too dangerous to inhabit anymore because i mean once it sinks it's just gonna go right down but it's still above water yeah so after 10 months of having their boat as their shelter now the men were on a giant floating piece of ice completely at the mercy of mercy of it and it was starting to show signs of melting around the edges son of a bitch <laughs> and it could move it could crack open at any time oh my god so this is just wild okay so on october 27th they abandon it meaning they spent the next few weeks salvaging what they could okay. off of the ship. So they were still getting on it and like taking stuff off. But they off, weren't inhabiting. But, but they were not inhabiting it. So they were just trying to survive at this point. The ice had floated them 1100 miles in 281 days. Please go back to our map here. Yes. So the yellow part right there is mm-hmm. the endurance stuck on the ice. The yellow, it's floating them away far away. Very far away. From where um so the endurance was crushed on October 27th and then you can see a few days no it's not a few days it's a month later they spend the next few weeks salvaging what they could Mm -hmm. on November the 21st of 1915 so they've been on the boat they've been on this ice almost a year Mm -hmm. the endurance finally slipped beneath the water and was completely lost. So once the ship was completely gone, and guys, this is a big trigger warning. We're about to talk about the dogs, and I feel like you know where I'm going with this. Once the ship was completely gone, the dogs' days were numbered. Yeah. They didn't want to do this, Yeah. but not only would the dogs provide food for them, dogs eat a lot of food. Yeah. To survive. Um, so, during this time, 
the carpenter McNeish staged a small rebellion and that didn't it didn't really go anywhere he was what like, was he gonna do i think he was questioning shackleton's leadership okay. and i think his point was well the ship's gone you're not the captain anymore yeah. like kind of a vibe but it didn't really go anywhere but again like what are they going to do they're stuck on ice i think they were just starting to go a little nuts you know what like i can understand that because they spent almost an entire fucking year on a floating piece of ice and um unfortunately for miss chippy he went to it is very hard to say miss chippy and then say he <laughs> i had to really oh. think about it and i'm i imagine i cannot imagine like knowing what you're doing is f- like yeah. hoping for your prolonged survival but like after especially almost a year of like bonding with these animals and like training with them yep. and Oh, my God. I cannot imagine, like, the emotional turmoil. So, Frank Wilde, the second-in-command, yeah. quoted... Oh, and those are his dogs, too, aren't they? I have known many men who I would have rather shot than these dogs. Oh, my God. I'm about to cry for this man. Oh, my God. Oh, mm-hmm. this is so devastating. And, um, okay, I need you to, to really think about these dates here. November 21st is when the endurance finally slipped beneath the water. November 21st of 1915. On March the 30th of 1916. Oh my God. The last of the dogs were shot. So they hung on to as many of them as long as they could. Yeah. And just, it's not like they did a mass killing of them or anything. But they they did end up having, but March that's four months yeah and it was 60 dogs right and a cat with 28 men yeah so that was i'm trying to do math and i can't right now um four times so that's like four. almost three dogs a week four months four months is four weeks 16 weeks i can't i was doing six times four because i'm dumb <laughs> So, 60 divided by 16, three to four dogs a week. Okay. I did get, I had you, bad hey, math, but I good. ended up in the same. You had the wrong formula and I you did. still got the right answer. You know what? I don't know how that happened, but here we are. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So, that was March 30th. The last of the dogs were shot. On April the 9th of 1916, The ice melted enough that the men could put the lifeboats that they had salvaged in the water. And they had plans to head north to reach Deception Island. Okay. Which turns out to be an actual very beautiful place, but like the name. It's Deception Island. But because of wind, storms, more ice, they couldn't make it to that island. Okay. So uh, April the 15th. They ended up on Elephant Island. Okay. And they stepped foot on land for the first time. In over a year. 497 days. Oh, my God. And it was on a d- deserted island. Yeah. Of just snow. And that was after uh, 16 days of being on a l- just these life rafts. Shit. I, I mean... I. Look, look at the boats launched where they were. Yeah. Um, okay. They were farther, like, 
they were farther from where the boats were launched to Elephant Island than they were from Antarctica when they got stuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, this next one is called It's Worth a Shot. Okay. So, on April 24th, so they spent, you know, nine days on this island, Shackleton decided he had to leave Elephant Island to try to reach North Georgia Island. Look how far away that is. That's where they started, was North Georgia Island, and return with his crew, return to his crew with help. That meant he and a handful of other men had to travel over 900 miles in a 25-foot raft in some of the most dangerous waters imaginable. He only had a chronometer, chronometer and a sextant, which are very... Um. Yeah, there's like no tech in that. No, they're used for navigation. They are at least a sextant is, but yeah, Lord. North Georgia Island is very small, and you had to be precise with this. Yeah, but like I said, it's worth a shot. I mean, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So they rigged one boat with a sail and one month of supplies of goods. He could have fit more supplies. But he figured in a month, he would either be back with help or dead. Yeah. So him and five other men set sail on a 25-foot raft. Ah. So they averaged about 60 miles a day. The sail was completely useless because it just froze over because it was so wet and cold. And the waves were constant. And... The any exposed skin was rubbed raw by the constant, like, battering of salt water. Yeah. yeah. And on their fifth day out at sea, they headed straight into a gale. Oh, no. And it nearly capsized the boat. Oh, my God. They had to consistently chip away at the ice that was forming in the boat, around the boat. They eventually had to throw the sail into the ocean and throw other things off the raft to keep it afloat because of all the ice buildup because oh they just couldn't keep up with it. And on the 11th day, another gale was, they headed right into another gale on the 11th day and it almost capsized them again. And on the 14th day, they spotted South Georgia Island. Holy shit. They spent another night on the ice trying to find a good way to get to the island. Yeah. In hurricane force winds. Oh my god. Oh my god. They found, they finally found a good place in the wee hours of the morning. And on May the 10th of 1916, they ended up in the southern end of the island and were met with ice and snow covered mountains. It's the winter, and they were on the wrong side of the mountain or of the island. No, they could sail around, but thanks to the unpredictable weather, they were like, I think we'd rather be on land and walk and walk. So they ditched the lifeboats and hiked. Three of the men were too weak to continue the hike, so they got left behind, but they understood that staying right where they were was safer than trying to kill themselves getting over this mountain that they were not going to survive. They they had better chances there. They knew Shackleton was going to come back for them. Yeah. 
On May the 19th of 1916, Shackleton and two others started to trek up the mountains that were 5,000 feet in elevation. And these glaciers could crack and break at any minute. And they actually, genius, put screws in the bottom of their boots for traction. It took them, or they took about three days of food with them. Okay. To, to do this trek. The first day, they got completely lost. So it was a wasted day. They had to go back to their starting position no. and start again. Um, they then tied ropes around each other and they were just like sliding down the mountainside. At least they didn't have to walk, I guess. Um, I'd hate to get the person behind you with their screw boots. Yeah, like, really. You. So the target was a small whaling station called Stromness. He didn't even know if Stromness was going to be occupied. Because it's the winter months. Yeah. And they were like, again, it's worth a shot. What, what are you going to do? What option do we have? Yeah. So on May the 20th, which is my next anniversary, by the way, after 36 hours of hiking and doing, you know, various surviving things, they reached Stromness. And do you know what they found at Stromness? Nothing. Children playing outside. Oh, my God. And they walked up to these kids and scared the shit out I of them. I bet these were the most haggard motherfucking <laughs> like men. Monsters coming out of the South Mountains. Nobody comes from that way. Right. There's no th- nothing there. So the kids were like, what the fuck? And they're probably like emaciated and just. They haven't had a shower in over a year. They've been eating seals and dogs and fish and probably snow. There's no telling. Oh, my God. Yep. So, he eventually was able to meet up with the manager of the station. And it was the same manager whom he had reported to a couple years prior oh. at the start of his mission. Oh, my God. The manager didn't recognize him and said, who the hell are you? And apparently he said, my name is Sir Ernest A. Shackleton. And then he turned around and he cried. And I feel so bad for him. Oh, my God. But they got him set up. They were like, oh, my God. He just, he was looked so skinny and haggard and And horrible. the beard was probably insane. Yeah. And... He's like, I just didn't recognize you. Yeah. What the hell? So, oh, Shackleton. I know. So he did not rest until... The three men on the north side of the island, south side, whatever side of the island, were rescued. And then he was, he was like, I, we have to go get the other men on Elephant Island. Mm-hmm. One little problem in the form of World War One. Oh, no. World no. War One was in full fucking yeah. swing. It was like halfway over, right? In uh, 1916? It was then in 1918, right? I think so. That sounds right. So, yeah, it is. We're in the middle. Full swing. So the British were like, but we can't help you with your, you know, however many men that were left behind. I think it was like 22. Um, Eventually, the Chilean government gave him a boat. Like the the Chilean government gave him a boat, sent people down. Um, And the boat was called the Yelko. And they went back 
to Elephant Island. On August 30th of 1916, all 22 men left Elephant Island. Oh, my God. Were rescued. I, I have chills. I literally got, like, a full body chill. On, they were on the island for 127 days. What? They had made shelter using life boats there there's a picture if you scroll down wait 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 tell me when did they get picked up again on august <gasps> august the 30th of 1916 they left in may oh my god they 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 showed up at in stromness in may they left in april late april oh my god 127 days on the island and they made shelter using the two life rafts lifeboats Mm -hmm. and they lived on penguin and seals and though there were complications like the stowaway when they were making their way from the ice from the pack ice to elephant island uh all the toes on one of his feet got so frostbitten that they had to amputate it on the island they amputated all of his toes successfully, and he was fine. Everyone, he probably didn't feel anything. No, everyone lived. Everyone that went on the endurance lived, except for the animals, of course, yeah. and we're all very sad about that. But I want you to look at the list of crew. So we have Ernest H. Shackleton, of course. We've got Frank Wilde. He is second in demand. Second in demand. Second in command. I read through some of these and they're funny. So this is this is why I wanted you to see this. Uh, also, look at that stance, Frank Wild. Good for you, sir. He's got the He's pipe leaning. and everything. Yeah. Frank Worsley. He was the captain. He was the one that they were like, "You are not in charge anymore." Okay. Um, Mr. Greenstreet. Lionel Greenstreet. Yeah. Look at the the ice mustache. Yes, I love it. Hubert T. Hudson, navigator, the best penguin catcher. <laughs> Look at him with his penguins. He's got a picture of holding two penguins. Yeah, so he was a great skill because he would catch the penguins. Um, Hudson suffered particularly badly from ill health in the boats before Elephant Island and also when waiting rescue. Oh, man. Cheatham. It was his fourth trip. Wow. Uh, Look at that picture. There's like one eye closed. Yeah. It's great. Uh, Lewis Rickinson volunteered for a trip to Antarctica despite a particular aversion to the cold. Wow. Also, I don't want to miss um, Thomas Crean. Oh, yes. But rather gruff in the way he dealt with the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. Um, I just saw where he outlived Scott and Shackleton. Wow. Uh, let's see. Alexander Kerr, a quiet, capable, and dependable, a quite yeah, no, quiet, it's quiet, capable, and dependable man. The youngest member of the endurance crew until the stowaway was discovered. Macklin, he had the job of driving a team of sled dogs and caring for all the dogs. Oh, my he God. He was one of the surgeons. Yeah. Yeah, so they just had the, the surgeons just in case. Mm-hmm. And they, they had another surgeon. Uh, McElroy? Sure. I think it's McElroy. That sounds right. McElroy was suffering from malaria at the time of his interview and that he contracted in the Far East and shook constantly while with Shackleton, but he was still taken on. Wow. Uh, Let's see. He was a geologist. Um, This is Wardy. He gave Shackleton some of his own money to help 
buy fuel for the endurance. Wow. Much loved as he was willing to trade his tobacco ration for rock specimens with men who had long since smoked theirs when stranded. He kept his tobacco rations for over a year. Man needed it. Yeah. The meteorologist cracks me up. Hussey, yeah. see, the smallest man on the expedition, Hussey's interview with Shackleton ended with, yes, I like you, I'll take you. <laughs> Shackleton told him afterwards he took him because he thought he looked funny. Wow. Hussey's ready wit and banjo playing helped raise morale. When the men were only permitted two pounds of personal effects after the endurance sank, Shackleton took Hussey's banjo along even though it was way over the allowance oh he needed that morale reginald james gentle jimmy had some wonderful electrical machines which none of us understood and a joke of ours that annoyed him very much was that he did not either (laughs) (laughs) he joined the expedition almost by accident after hearing about it from someone he didn't know very well wow so, just so y'all know, we are reading from the, the Cool Antarctic, what's the website? Coolantarctica.com. Okay. Yeah. Dower Scott. Robert S. Clark. <laughs> yeah. He carefully collected specimens and lost them all. No. Yeah. Oh, that poor biologist. <laughs> I know. Uh, Frank Hurley. Let's see. He was the official photographer. He was the only one that Shackleton didn't meet or interview before it set off. Wow. Yeah. And then there was an official artist, George E. Marston. Marston made sketches of life on the pack ice. Oh, wow. on Elephant Island. And he, he sacrificed real big when he gave away his oil paints to be helped use as caulk. Wow. To caulk up the board. Or the boat that Shackleton and the five others took to uh, South Georgia Island. Wow. And oil paints are not cheap. No. Oh, man. Yeah. And I'm looking. It looks like he made that hood that he's wearing. Yeah. So uh, Thomas Ord-Lees was the motor expert and storekeeper. He was generally disliked by the other expeditioners though he was an effective and thorough storekeeper (laughs) his diary was one of the more perspective of those kept wow harry mcneish um he was the one that had miss chippy oh yeah and miss miss chippy was shot yeah charles green he was the cook he's he's happy cooking look at him he is a happy man he looks happy to be cooked yep And uh, Mr. Charles Green gave over a thousand lectures about the expedition throughout the life long. Wow. Yeah. And then we've got all the able seamen down here. So Walter Howe was an artist as well. And he helped Blackborough get on board. Get on board. William Blackwell also helped Blackborough on board. He was the friend of... You know, the kid. Gotcha. Um, he liked and regarded... He was liked and regarded by Shackleton as a cut above the rest of the seamen. We've got Timothy McCarthy. He was one of the men that went to uh, South Georgia Island on the okay. boat. Um, we've got 
Thomas McLaurin. Oh, no, wait. I just saw he died three weeks later. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Yeah, so he made it home. Looks like he may have gotten drafted or something. And he died three weeks after returning from Antarctica. Oh, he was only 26. Oh, no. Oh, I hate Mm -hmm. that. Is he Thomas McLaurin? Oh, yeah. He was one of the few able seamen to hold two polar medals. Um, John Vincent, he lost his upper lip when it became frozen to the edge of a metal cup. Oh, shit. And his health deteriorated below that of the other men. For re- They couldn't figure out why. By the time they he reached South Georgia, he was in very bad oh, health. Oh, wow. Um, we're almost done here. Okay. So, so the senior stoker was, he was meant to keep the fires going. And when the endurance sank, he was out of a job. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Completely. And then Percy Blackborough seen with Miss Chippy here. Yeah. Um, he, he was our, our stowaway later steward. Mm. Yeah, all the toes on his left foot were amputated That's successfully. Crazy. And if you scroll down one more, there's a picture of them all. Those were the men that were left behind on Elephant Island. God, I cannot imagine. So what ended up happening with the Aurora? Okay, that's what we're getting into now. Um, we will watch footage of the voyage later. Okay. So what happened to the Aurora? So the Aurora sailed into the McMurdo Sound and was delayed by heavy pack ice. So on January 16th of 1915, she was able to begin unloading the depot. So remember, that's a, the time they got stuck. Yeah. So they went as south as they could. And then the Ross Party Sea mm-hmm. departed, um, trying to reach a spot called the Hut Point. Okay. Um, the ship was kept off of Tent Island, um, even though there were continuous problems with the pack ice breaking away. Um, that means the anchors weren't holding properly over the next month. The ship moved around in the vicinity of Cape Evans. So the intention was to stay in the Ross ice shelf area until okay specifically the McMurdo Sound is where they were going to anchor for the winter you know in plans for the crew of the Endurance to come they dropped anchor in the McMurdo Sound on March the 12th and then they took part of the Ross Sea Party back onto the boat not all of them on May the 6th a blizzard came through and it pushed them back out into the sea. Oh man. They were low on coal and their best uh, bet was to try to break through towards new and, and head towards New Zealand and try to, you know, regroup in late June. And this is of 1916. No, sorry. In late June of 1915, the same things were happening. She was getting squished by the ice oh, and no. all that. Was there still a party from the Aurora on Antarctica? Or yes. They... So they were going to have to, like, come back and get them on top of 
what they had planned on, the members of the Endurance. Yeah. So, in late June, they were ready to abandon her because the pack ice was squishing her, too. Oh, no. But they never had to. They got a lucky break, and the ice retreated and kept her intact. So, they limped her back home. And on February the 12th of 1916, the ice released her and was put back into the water. Wait, so how long was the Aurora trapped in ice? From, like, May to February? Yes. They were stuck. Um, Okay, so the Endurance was stuck between... Got stuck in January. And the Aurora, they were stuck from, I think, about March or May. And then of 1915... Her story was a little more confusing. I don't understand why. But in February of 12th of 1916, she was back on the water. And she arrived in New Zealand on April 3rd of 1916. Oh, my God. So, a month. Or, sorry. This is four months before the Endurance crew was rescued off of Elephant Island. Mm -hmm. Remember, there's still people in Antarctica. Yeah. Shackleton reached New Zealand in the beginning of December of 1916. By then, the Aurora had been fixed and refitted, ready to go. He got on the Aurora, sailed back to the McMurdo Sound on December the 20th. They encountered ice in their first week, um, but they were able to enter the Ross Sea on January the 7th of 1917. He went back to Antarctica a month or a couple months after he was rescued to personally go back to get the rest of that crew. Wow. So Shackleton went ashore Cape Royds with a party to look for any records possibly left in the hut, a letter was found stating that the Ross Sea Party was housed at Cape Evans. Shackleton was and his crew were on his way back to the Aurora when six men, dogs and sled in tow, appeared from the direction of Cape Evans. At 1 p.m., this party arrived on board and Shackleton learned that of the ten members left behind um, when the Aurora broke away, on May the 6th of 1915, only seven had survived. Wow. Oh, man. So he did lose three people in that party. And that's never mentioned, I don't feel. That it's always, every time I've seen anything, they never talk about the Aurora. It's only the it's endurance. It's only the endurance they talk about. But three men died on that the Ross Sea Party side of the expedition. And I feel like it needs to be said. Yeah. I don't know their names, unfortunately. The Aurora arrived back in Wellington, New Zealand on February the 9th of 1970. So they were out on the ice for over a year as well. On a trip from Newcastle in 1917 to Chile with a cargo of coal, the Aurora disappeared without a trace <gasps> with all hands on deck and uh she was posted missing 
at Lloyd's of London on the 2nd of January of 1918 and uh, was suspected a casualty of the First World War. Oh, my God. Emily. Emily. Oh, my God. The the full body just, like, shut down. So I after just had... everything, the Aurora was sank because of the war. Oh, my God. Was it the original crew? Like I don't know. I okay. think that at this point it was being used for cargo. Okay. So oh it's God. not like she sank with on the way home from like that. Okay. But but still she sank. Oh my God. So after the expedition, Shackleton served in the British Army during World War One and served as a military advisor in the North Russia Expeditionary Force during the Russian Civil War. He attempted a fourth Antarctic expedition called the Shackleton Rowett Antarctic Expedition. Um, and he was going to be aboard the quest in 1921 with the goal of circumnavigating the continent. Okay. So he wasn't trying to cross it, just sail no. around it. But I mean, the problem was he never even made it to begin with. Yeah. So I guess he thought maybe if he stayed far enough away, he wouldn't get in the pack ice. But unfortunately, Shackleton died in Gritviken, South Georgia, which is the whaling station he started at. Wow. On the other expedition. And they said that the immense strain of the expeditions themselves, on top of raising the funds to finance these expeditions, just too much. Wore him out and killed him, honestly. And wow. he died January the 5th of 1922. Wow. Wow. Mm hmm. So, just a little bit left, the endurance wreckage. So, on the south side of Elephant Island um, at Stinker Point <laughs> is a place called Wreck Bay. And that's where there is some known wreckage of the ship. And in 1998, these were, remains were recognized as, you know, probable wreckage from the endurance. It's just like wash up. Mm-hmm. Um, the only known relic from the Endurance is a wooden spar. It is about 2,900 millimeters long and 30 millimeters in diameter. Um, and it is kept in the library of the Scott Polar Research Institute in Cambridge. Okay. And one of the lifeboats, the James Card. I think it's Cared. Cared. One of the lights. Lifeboats, the James Caird, that was the one that went from Elephant Island to South Georgia Island, is on display at the Duelworth College in London where Shackleton went as a boy. Wow. Yeah. And three anchors and some anchor cable laying on the bottom of Commonwealth Bay are the only known remains of the Aurora. Wow. Yep. So quick uh, discovery of the Endurance. The wreck of the Endurance was found in the Weddell Sea in 2022. Really? An expedition found it using two remotely operated submersibles. It is about 10,000 feet below the surface. Wow. It did sink in the lowest point of the Weddell Sea <laughs> because insult did. to injury kick you while you're down. So Damn. they tried the first time in 2019, but they lost contact with the sub and the, the ice was coming in. So they had to leave. Yeah. But they got it the second time and they've left it untouched. 
but because of how cold it is in the waters is it like almost perfectly preserved oh my god it's the creepiest thing and i just put the link and we're gonna watch it together it's only a couple minutes all right you could still read it oh wow oh wow (gasps) oh oh my god yeah you can still oh that is creepy look at that you can like the steering wheel the mat one of the masts broke off and you can you can see the splinters from the wood where the mast fell you can see the rivets in the side of the ship still yeah yeah i see the rivets now and they're still shiny and then there's a little anemone on it (laughs) anemone i mean the rope is still intact everything I mean, everything that wasn't crushed by the ice was still intact. Yeah. And you know, the craziest part is I've seen the footage of it still on the ice. Mm-hmm. The ice actually crushed it like this, not from being underwater. Okay. So, yeah, the water didn't really have anything to do with that. It looked like that when it went down. That's crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, and you can see endurance clear as day. Lordy. Uh-huh. Ooh, that is so creepy. Thanks for showing me. (laughs) You're very welcome. Right before we go to bed. Guys, I will put a link of the footage of the Endurance. I know that it's like, we're not going to sit here and watch 10 minutes of it on on camera. That's too long. But I'll put it on there because it is worth a watch. And I mean, at first you see like it's beautiful and they're on their expedition. And then it just goes south so fast. Oh, man. And it's so terrifying this is this was a harrowing story and i cannot believe as many men survived as they did honestly honestly like i can't believe they didn't like they didn't die from exposure at the very least not to mention starvation or there are some of these like in this video that we'll watch later They don't even have, like, sometimes they just don't have gloves on. They're in Antarctica, and they just don't have a hat on. They don't, their faces are fully a different breed of people, I think. I don't know who could survive that. Wow. Men, or just people, much stronger than me. I I wouldn't need a dog. No. Listen, I, I did do some really deep thinking, and if River and I were out there, I think I would rather just lay down with her and just die yeah, with her. I couldn't eat Jack. I, well, he would be of no no use at that, all. He'd be a little snack. I'm really mad that they shot the cat. Like, he's not going to eat a lot. Poor Miss Chippy. Miss Chippy. Oh, that made me really sad. Yeah, this was, I mean, good job. Like, Thank you. I was completely captivated the entire time. <laughs> just like, what's going to happen next? What's... I need it beamed into my brain. I need to know right now. <laughs> Emily's very proud of herself. I am way. very proud of myself. <laughs> She's doing the whole like, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> Kiss your brain. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it felt right. And I think um, we are only four days out from the anniversary of when they officially got stuck. Wow. Upon recording this. That's crazy. 
what's with you and like lining these things up like this? I just let the universe pick my topic. <laughs> I just, I just do. And I wish I could sound less weird about that, but I literally, I'm just like, Mm, this one feels right and then it always turns out to be like close to the day of the anniversary or something like that i don't know well we are almost two hours into this recording it's also 1 a.m yeah (laughs) so um if you liked this which i don't know why you wouldn't because it was amazing thank you thank you oh my god um (laughs) Listen, I was captivated while researching. And I was like, no way. (laughs) I watched videos. I did. I will say I did this episode because I I did watch like part of the show a couple years back. And I got so stressed that I stopped watching the show. This was very stressful. Yeah. So because it was it was giving me like anxiety watching mm-hmm. it cuz then I would like imagine like what if I was stuck there and I'm I'm just I'm a weenie when it comes to shows. I could research the stuff all day long, but if it if I have to watch it, I can't I can't handle it. So, I kind of did this. I was like, I'm going to do this to get over my fear of it. <laughs> <laughs> and to know that everybody from the endurance did survive was was really nice. Um, I was really bummed to hear that three men from the Ross, the Aurora, yeah, yeah, from the Aurora did pass away. It's never talked about. Yeah, like they went through their own shit, obviously. Yeah, and I could not find anything else about what their story was on the Aurora. Because I mean, they were also stuck for a year. Yeah, on Antarctica in the yeah. So, but and at the same time, it's like only three men at the same time. Like, yeah, three out of s- ten on Antarctica, and obviously the dogs. I just wish we we knew more about the Aurora. I want to know who the crew was. I want to know their names. And yeah. I just, it, I was really hard for me to even just find what that because literally, I I got through the notes and then I was like, something's missing. There was another boat. Yeah, I had to go forth and do more digging to just figure out what the heck they were supposed to be doing and what happened. I'm glad you did because that was my question when I was like, like in the best scenario, they're just waiting on these people. Yeah. For two years. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they didn't have self. What are you going to do? Call them up. You can't even send a telegram. No, they're on a ship. <laughs> they're in Antarctica. They're literally in uncharted waters. <laughs> literally oh my god also can we appreciate that out of all the things that you know the the scavenging the you know getting everything off of the ship that is necessary they made sure to save all the cameras and the footage and the logs from the ship and everything like that even though it was not important to their survival they were like they they still they were like we're going to get off this it's, somebody's gonna find that we're... it's for posterity they need to know what happened yep at the very least so it's a warning yeah if we don't make it out and they find us and they find this footage it needs to at least be don't do what we did this is what happened to us yeah so i think that was terrifying and brave at the same time oh, absolutely Oof, I'm getting like full body chills. Again. I literally also I was researching this and it was very cold in my house and I was like wrapped in a blanket and I was like, oh my god, I would have never survived. 
It's chilly in my house. My bones hurt right now. It's 65. <laughs> I never would have made it. Never. Never. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you liked it. Now you know why for like two days You're just now geeking I've been out. Like geeking out. Like I cannot wait to tell you. No, it's funny. We were finishing up our episodes next to each other earlier today and she was like writing her skit and she was just laughing to herself at her own joke. <laughs> I am pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, um, I guess if you're going to go to Antarctica, use the right boat. Yeah. um, We should do our socials. Yeah. (laughs) Forgot about the socials. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you like this, you can find us Facebook. We have an ill-equipped podcast ill-equipped history podcast (laughs) facebook group and page sorry we've been going at this for two hours my brain is yeah it's going downhill fast uh instagram at ill-equipped history patreon at ill-equipped history no email wait patreon.com slash ill-equipped history gmail ill-equipped history at gmail.com we have a tiktok TikTok. i always forget about that at ill-equipped history thank you Okay, yes, and so, like I said, if you are going to Antarctica, pick the right boat. Yeah, and, you know, it's 2024 now, Uh, check the weather. Also, maybe just don't go to Antarctica, unless, like, you're a researcher, and then, like, you've got more safe, you know, You have a cell phone, you can call someone if you get stuck in ice. Yeah, hey. (laughs) Yeah, maybe just don't go. Yeah. It's do we okay. really need to know? Leave it to the penguins. It's fine. Yeah. Do we really need to know that bad? I don't What's know. down there? They do a lot of ice cores. They take samples from ice mm. to, like, figure out science things. Mm. That's all I know. People smarter than us know <laughs> the answer way, to that. <laughs> way smarter. I've had too many head injuries to be that smart. <laughs> Just from car accidents alone. I know. <laughs> Let alone falling. My dad hit my head on the ceiling fan when I was a small child. I I, wish that was a lie. It's not. I remember she came to school one day and she was like, I fell off a cinder block. I was standing on it to like, you're like hooking something onto a tree and you're like, you would like slice your leg open. As an adult, I fell off a porch with a knife in my hand. She cute, but she clumsy. <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep myself upright for shit. <laughs> I have constant bruises on my entire body just from walking into things in my house that I put there. I decorated the house. Like, I know the furniture's there. I'm still walking into it. Oh, man. Okay, well, we'll let you go now. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>